all you wax figures out there. Time for another episode of the show. Jeremiah's back. Been a while since I've had him on, but he and I are back, and we're going to talk some DC horror anthology. Something a little bit off the beaten path here, but something really fun that I think you'll like. So definitely stick around, because after the break, we're going to dive right into it. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Bronze Age of Horror Comics. And I've got a really great comic and an even better guest. And we are right in the midst of the Halloween season here. All the spooky stuff's going on, so no better time to talk horror comics and no better time to talk to my buddy Jeremiah. How are you, man? I'm well, Billy. How are you? Fantastic. And yeah, for those that don't uh, know, you know, you and I got to meet up at uh, Baltimore Comic Con this past September, which was a blast. You know, had a good time there. It was a great show. Really good stuff going on there, too, right? Yeah, it was, very, it was great to meet you in person. That was a lot of fun. Um, Baltimore is always a good show. Um, I, I, you know, I, I bought a ton of comics, found some good deals, had a good time, spent time with my brother and his buddy. So, yeah, it was a nice weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a blast. Uh, the only downside was uh, when I got back to my car and got in it and went to pay for my parking, it was 32 bucks for parking. And I was like, you son of a, for four hours, I was like, oh man, what a kick in the balls. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't really like Baltimore for that, but great show. Uh, I feel like they always put on a great show there. So I definitely will be back in the future. But, uh, you know, hey, you know, hopefully uh, maybe uh, you and I can meet up again. And I'm hoping to meet up with uh, Dr. Ange as well, making a little trip up to the New England area uh, in the midst of the spooky season here as well. So looking forward to that. Excellent. Awesome. So you and I are going to be talking some DC uh, horror anthology. And I want to get back on track with talking with you and a couple of other guests about this stuff because it's so good and DC had so much come out in the Bronze Age. And we're going to be talking about a comic that it's a little off the beaten path, but it's it's some really good stuff here. Uh, the, the issue uh, we're talking about tonight is uh, Forbidden Tales of Dark Mansion number 13. And <laughs> this is a really great issue. I've had the single issue for a long time. It's on the app. Um, but this uh, this series has an interesting uh, uh, history here. It started out as uh, the Dark Mansion of Forbidden Love. <laughs> so it started out as, you know, this uh, kind of crazy, uh, you know, gothic, uh, you know, romance series, you know, a la uh, Dark Shadows, the television show, which was still running, I believe, when this title originally got started. But it, uh, it didn't last long. It was uh, not long after, you know, uh, this title started where the show went off the air. So I'm assuming... Just assuming here, it's probably a pretty good assumption that, you know, they ended the they, they changed the comic title and ran more just horror anthology uh, with the in conjunction with the uh, show being off the air. Just just thinking that's probably correct. Yeah, I I haven't looked at the dates. I've I've actually started getting into the DC's and Charlton's and even Marvel's too romance comics. And then at one point I came across. I guess I had a few tales of Forbidden Tales of Dark Mansion, but then I found some issues of the the beginning of the series when it was the gothic romance. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it looks like something right out of Dark Shadows. Um, and this is a short run series. It doesn't go, go much more than 15 or 16 issues. Mm-hmm. So this is one I'm kind of trying to chase them all down. Yeah, I don't blame you because even if uh, the gothic romance, as far as the stories, isn't really your thing, 
I can't remember who exactly the artists are, but I know the artwork looks incredible. I've, you know, seen the comics here or there at shows. And usually if they're in higher grade, they're very expensive. And I've seen them on the app as well. They're on the app. I think the whole run's on the app. And uh, the, the artwork looks incredible. So I'd love to own them just for that. Yeah. And, you know, it, it could just be me, but these, the stories that I have read in, in the few issues I have, they, were, they feel a little edgier than mm-hmm. some of the stuff in, like, House of Secrets or House of Mystery. I don't know if it's because they were... I don't know. Maybe it's just my my own impression or something, but they do feel a little edgier than some of the other horror books. Hmm. I'll have to definitely check them out then, because I, you know, I I don't think I ever read any of them. I may have, you know, on the app just kind of flipped through really quick and you know looked at the art and thought, wow, you know, this is really great artwork. But I'll have to give them a shot because you know, hey, why not? They're on the app and you're already paying for the app, right? You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh but yeah forbidden tales of dark mansion like i said it just it changed with issue five to this title and it was you know anthology horror which again like you just mentioned the big two there house of mystery house of secrets there's tons of titles you know you have ghosts and secrets of haunted house and like the, dc had a crap little horror in the 70s uh but the, this one uh, i you know you know we were tossing on a couple different issues and you know we eventually landed on this one and this is a really good issue. I forgot how good this issue was. I bought the single a long time ago, and either I didn't read through it completely or I just forgot because my memory sucks. Uh, but when I read this issue, I really enjoyed it. I thought, you know, these there's two stories in here. I thought they were really, really strong here. But uh, we can actually, you know, start on the cover, you know, because that's a, a good place to start at the beginning. And uh, this cover is by uh, Mike Kaluta, who is, you know, no stranger to uh, DC Bronze Age. And some horror comics, right? Yeah, didn't he, he did most of the uh, the um, doorway to nightmare that we covered, right? And we we've, we've both seen him in plenty of other of mm-hmm. the anthology books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we covered that in October 2022, the entire series, and then that one shot that came out a couple years later as well. That's great stuff. Anybody that doesn't have it, get out there and get it. And of course, listen to us talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, this cover is interesting. It's a, it says Forbidden Tales of Dark Mansion. The logo is really huge at the top, but I don't think it really intrudes on the uh, the image here. And the image here shows a guy walking in front of a cafe, and he's literally melting like wax or butter here right in front of people. It's it's actually kind of a disturbing cover if you look at it, isn't it? It is because, you know, it's. <clears throat> It almost looks like Clayface or something, right? The mm-hmm. the one who looks like Clay, or like right out of uh, the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark, where oh, yeah. the, the guy—I mean, the guy's melting, like you said—and he's he's in his clothes and his skin is just starting to ooze, and you can see the wrinkles in his arms and his legs, but his face—you can see oh. the the eyes are starting to come out of their socket. His jaw is it's opened and almost like in, in a moan and his ears are now melted. They're well down below his nose. And he, he's got his hands up in a, almost like a, a praying position mm-hmm. and his hands are just melting. And it, all the onlookers faces are, they're horrified that people in this cafe looking out to this guy in the street, it's really well done in terms of the perspective where they, you know, he, he's separate from all these people. They don't know what's going on. And it's, it's, it's impressive. It's a good cover. 
Yeah, the guy inside the cafe on the far left with the buzz cut looks like he's about to barf. It's great. It's really yeah. good. <laughs> really, really good. Yeah, just the people are like aghast at like, what is going on with this guy? And I only one tiny little like, eh, I'm not sure about this. Like you said about the guy having his hands up in front of his face. They almost look like bananas. It's They look a little funky there, but it's yeah, great. They do look like bananas, yeah. Yeah, but it's like you said, his face is the most disturbing part of this. That it's melting away, his eyes are kind of coming down, and his ear is like almost on his shoulder. It's disgusting. <laughs> really good cover here, but uh, the the little caption box on the top left corner says, uh, "What is happening to Brock Marsden, and why the man who waxed and waned?" And then down in the corner, there's a little circle. It says, "Plus a second mind chiller." <laughs> I, I love hyperbole. I just I, I can't get enough of it. So, all right, well let's let's dive into this here. So this was like I said, Forbidden Tales of Dark Mansion number thirteen, and it's a cover dated October November nineteen seventy three. On sale date was you know late July nineteen seventy three, around July twenty fourth, and uh, you know th this first story, you know the lead story, you know based on the cover, the man who waxed and waned, and it's by some of my favorite creators of all time especially when you're talking about DC Comics and DC in the Bronze Age. Uh, we have script Michael Fleischer and his uh, often uh, partnered up friend here, Russell Carley, as art continuity, and then pencils and inks by Alfredo Alcala, and he did the letters as well. Now, I don't know about you, but Alcala is one of those guys that I absolutely love. When I see his horror stuff, I just usually gush over it. I, I really think he was one of these artists that it was, if it was horror, war, suspense— that kind of stuff really suited uh, his style. What do you think of Alcala? I I love his work. The I don't. I mean, I haven't read horror, horror for all that long, but when I see his stuff, I know it's going to be it's there, it's well detailed and well colored. But there's a there's a mood he sets. It's it's very much like the way the mood uh, Gene Colan sets the mm. mood over mm -hmm. in in uh, Dracula. There. The colors he uses and the, the shadows he puts in, it's it's really well done. And it, they're always, you know, if something's supposed to be eerie, it's eerie. If it, if something's supposed to be fearsome and scary, like in the war comics, it, then it, that's what it's going to look like. He really has a a cinematic quality to the way he does his scenes. So well detailed, colored, and... Um, you know, the line work in them is really top notch. Mm -hmm. And I will say too, you know, Michael Fleischer, he's one of my favorites, even just based off of his adventure comics run where he wrote those Spectre stories. I've been covering them with a few different uh, co-hosts, uh, Dr. Ange and Tim Price. And I even had uh, uh, <laughs> the Irredeemable Shag on for one. And uh, yeah, really, really good writer, especially when it comes to the horror and suspense kind of stuff. He's, I feel like he was born for the genre. Yeah, I agree. It's the stuff I've read has all been excellent. Um, you know, the pacing and storytelling can be, can be tough in these anthology books where you only have, you know, eight, 12, maybe 16 pages. If it's a long story um, and to tell a whole tale, it, that, that, that can be challenging. Some of these guys who were pumping them out, you know, every month or every two months, whatever it was, that, that's some real quality work there to be able yeah. to tell a good story. Yeah, it's definitely different than, you know, when somebody's writing a, a 20 to 24 page comic. You know, there's a lot more room for you to do things 
and you know for you to tell the story and for the artist to visually tell the story as well so when you're only doing 12 pages like he did usually with uh the adventure comic specter run or uh, also this story the man who waxed and waned is a 12 pager you you really have to know how to tell a story quickly but still very well uh when you're doing these anthologies but i just looked here on grand comics database and it's interesting i i know this is like kind of an off the beaten path a horror title for dc but it's never been reprinted so i thought that was interesting i thought oh there was never even like a you know, a showcase or just or anything? Nope, not at all. These it was never. You know, this story was never reprinted. I was like, wow, interesting. Yeah, even more reason for me to chase the series down. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So, all right, why don't we uh, dive into this one here? So this one, you know, they uh, have a a host here on the splash page, a very sexy lady. She's a uh, raven-haired and uh, plunging neckline on her uh, dress here, and she says, "Greetings, traveler." And welcome to the mist and shrouded netherworld of Dark Mansion. Now that you're here, we'd best not tarry, for even now distant hallways beckon us, and numberless forgotten rooms call our names in ghostly whispers. Are you fearful of the coming journey? Then come, let me soothe your anxious spirit with this story of the man who waxed and waned. And wow, this splash page, and again, this is, you know, an icy Alfredo alcohol in my brain. This type of page and setting with the, the atmosphere and the mood, this is this is what I see. And, uh, oh, man, this is just mind-blowing here. What do you think? It's excellent. It really is. Um, it, it, you get everything you need to know about this story in this picture. So you've got the this oozing, bubbling cauldron on one side with a, a fire under it. You've got the old woman on the left with her cat or black cat that's really drawn well and she's holding what looks like a, a small doll and is holding something sharp up against it um so it's it, you know is it a voodoo thing she, there's obviously something hinky going on here and then in the the middle background you see a, a shadow on the stairs um of somebody observing this whole scene and just the way the he does the light work where it's very bright coming from this fire and cauldron to the, as it comes out from the, the side, the, you know, the shadows are splayed across the room. It's a dark room with wood paneling or wood roof, uh, cobblestone floor. And the, the shadowing is, it just all adds to this eerie creepiness that, it, you know, is going to be this wacko story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Alcala here is just brilliant. Like you said, too, the, the cauldron and the fire, it's bubbling over. And he, you know, has the shadow, uh, you know, the, the light emanating like three or four feet towards the woman. But then the rest of the room is in shadow. It, it looks fantastic. Part of the wall, it looks like it's brick wall underneath. And then it was like plastered over maybe. And part of the plasters come away and there's just, you know, brick there on the part near the fire. Oh, it's just it, the, the attention to detail. And then, you know, we see at the bottom of the, of the page, it looks like there's uh, three more wax dummies getting ready. And she has like a little mold there and everything. Oh, man. The, the, again, the attention to detail, like you were saying, Alcala, he's just what a master. Yeah, there's the molds there. There's some other figurines behind the cat and the, the crates that are half under a blanket that say bulk wax. So she's obviously doing something with wax and molds and that's how she's making these figurines. And obviously um, since we've read the story, we know it will play into it heavily. So it's <laughs> yeah. really, it's just a really great setup. Yeah. She says, 
<laughs> he has a horrid, uh, pasty-looking face, doesn't he, Selena? Watch me use the pick to make him die slowly. And the cat just, meow. And then <laughs> the, the guy that's in the background, uh, you know, kind of peeping through the door from a stairwell, thinks to himself, at, at first I thought she was just a screwy old lady, but now I know better. When she stabs that doll with that ice pick, a real man will die. And they're, you know, kind of showing their hand already here. But it's okay because, uh, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, good uh, purple prose here by uh, Fleischer and a lot of fantastic artwork uh, by our buddy Alfredo Alcala as well. So uh, let's dive into the story here proper. So we, we meet Brock Marsden, a patient, dedicated professional in a fiercely competitive field. And I love how... Uh, Michael Fleischer does this like <laughs> this. These first two pages here are just about two pages. You know, he words it as if this man is a professional salesman or something like that. The way he you know scripts it in the, the, the caption boxes. But basically, it looks like the guy's a hit man. And he's like, you know, going after a rival mob gang here, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's it, it's exactly that. It's written in the sense that of what we think of as professionals, lawyers, doctors, you know, CEOs, et cetera. And all it is, is a gang hit. Like you said, you know, rival mafia gangs. He's, he's talking. I wish those two, those hyenas would come out of there. Been waiting two hours already, but we don't, I mean, we don't know he's a hitman until a couple panels later, but it's, it's a nice, um, a nice wordplay in, in, in a story like this. Yeah, the setup's great. It shows that, you know, like we said, Brock Marsden guy sitting in his car at, outside Tony's garage. And we do see uh, two uh, uh, mob types uh, come out. And uh, one has a, a Tommy gun and it almost looks like the other one has a shotgun. And, you know, they come out and uh, they barely get out of the door and don't get to their car. And this Brock Marsden guy, he just unloads on the two of them and he kills both of these guys. He's guns them down right there in the street. And there must be another guy that must come out of the garage or something like that. Cause again, it looked like he killed both of those guys and he drives off, but one person does, you know, blam, 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 get, uh, you know, four shots off at him as he's driving away. And one hits him in the shoulder. And uh, I love that panel on page three there where it shows Marsden. He's driving away and he's like, Oh, my shoulder. Maybe he recognized me. Got to get out of the city fast. And there's sweat coming down his brow and he's holding his shoulder. Cause he got shot in the shoulder and there's even two, like spider-webbed bullet holes through the back window of his car. That is great. Yeah, very dramatic. There's no gore or anything. There's no blood. I mean, this is still um, code era. But, yeah, the, you, we see the bullet holes in the back. But the expression on his face is really, um, you can tell he's in the, I don't want to say anguish, but you can tell he's in a lot of pain. He's stressing. Um, and yeah, he the we we do see that the guy who shot him did recognize the car, so he was he was right to think that he may have been recognized. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then he drives off. And again, this is just one of those little things. And it's not that there's a ton of detail, but the mood in this panel in the middle of this page with the car driving through like a fog shrouded road with a tree there, where he says, "Feeling weak, blood all over the place. Got to stop the car. Feel like I'm gonna pass out." And it does say out on the panel where it shows him passing out, holding onto the steering wheel. But that panel with that car, it, I know this sounds crazy, but that might be my favorite panel of the whole story. Well, that's that's saying something. But I, I get what you're saying, because 
the, 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 te- the text above it, Marston drives for hours that night, ignoring the pain in his shoulder, thinking only of escape, finally on a desolate country road. And this picture, the way the tree's done in shadow, and you have the colors creating the fog and the darkness or whatever, it conveys exactly what you would think of as being tired out in the, in the, in the sticks. You don't know where you are. You're tired. It's dark. It's foggy. And this picture encapsulates all of that in, in what? Just some line work and colors, really. Yeah. Like it's, again, it's not a very intricate panel. Like you said, it just has a bunch of lines, uh, you know, uh, horizontal lines. And then like, there is a tree with some detail, but it's in shadow. So it's, it's just black. Um, but oh, it's like I said, just the mood he gets right there in that one panel. And again, the splash page is fantastic. There are other pages and panels in this that are you know way more detailed and really cool. And I love the whole story, to be honest, you know, front to to back here. But that panel just sticks out at me. Just like I just I can't like if you took the all the dialogue away from there, his thought bubbles and even the caption box and just had that panel there, it would still hold just as much weight in the story for me. Even, you know, like I said, without all that there, which that's saying something. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I love how he wakes up here. And I was getting vibes of and I can't remember the name of the movie. Is it Misery? The Stephen King? Yeah, (laughs) it was giving me these vibes where the guy wakes up after, you know, he didn't get into a car wreck, but uh, he passed out at the wheel. We don't think he got into a car wreck, but maybe he did if he passed out at the wheel. But he wakes up and there's a, a woman here taking care of him and he's in a bed. I'm. I'm thinking, uh oh, she's gonna strap him down and break his legs next. <laughs> What's going on here? But he's like, What the what am I doing here? Who who are you? And this old woman says, Sonny, after all you've been through, you need to get some rest. And then, man, you flip the page and there's a a close up on her face here. And I really feel like Alcala was uh, channeling, you know, some E C here, like the old witch from E C like Graham Ingalls here. Yeah, definitely. The the whole story to me has a bit of a an EC feel in the way that um, the panels are arranged. Um, there's nothing, there's no weird diagonals or anything like that. It's nice, even squares. The figures within the panels are, are you know, there's good expressions on their faces. But yeah, this woman, she seems like she has no teeth the way her gums are. Her gums mm-hmm. are drawn in, and she has a long nose, and her eyes are, you know, they're a little bit wonky, and her hair's all pulled back. It definitely, I mean, if you if you just pick this panel up, and I told you it was from a, a comic, you would know it's from a horror comic, for sure, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. She's definitely witch-like in appearance, and such nice detail work. Yeah, and she says, it wasn't easy carrying you here, an old lady like me, but I didn't mind, hee hee. And she says, here, drink some broth. It'll make you well again. And he goes, yeah, sure, thanks. And she says, that's my boy. Why, you're looking better already. And by the way, she looks like she has a Princess Leia hairdo here. And this is like (laughs) four or pushing five years before Star Wars. But uh, I like how he's drinking the broth. I like what he says to himself here. What do you think of that? Oh, yeah. Looks like I lucked out. The place will make a perfect hideout, tell him well enough to travel. But does she have to keep cackling like something out of Snow White in the Seven Dwarfs? And that's what that's kind of what this feels like, right? Like mm-hmm. she she's looks like the witch from the the Snow White movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it, instead of dwar instead of dwarves taking care of this guy, it's 
um, a witch, and you know he's not Snow White, but he's laying there in bed drinking broth right from the bowl. She's bandaged him up. He's all cleaned up and everything. So, I mean, we don't even know how much time has passed, really. He could have been out for several days while she dragged him through a swamp, for all we know. Mm-hmm. But he yeah. is looking much better. He's not sweaty like he was. Yeah. And then we get an outside shot of her house, and he's thinking, every day I'm feeling better, and Angelo's guns will never find me way out here in the boonies. <laughs> he says, as far as I'm concerned, that old lady's a contender for the Looney of the Year Award. But she's harmless, and she don't ask no embarrassing questions. She spends half her time in the basement, probably making preserves or something. As he's <laughs> firing up a cigarette and uh, speak of the devil, I guess we'll say. She's yeah. down in down in the basement, and the caption says, "Strawberry preserves." Well, not exactly. And she's she's got her cauldron fired up again, and she says, "Fiddle dee fee, fiddle dee facts, boil and bubble, magic wax." And she's even looking uh, creepier than usual. And there's her black cat. A bunch of these, I guess, you know, for lack of a better term, I'll just call them voodoo dolls, although it's not really a voodoo thing. But uh, again, the cauldron's bubbling over and going wild. I love how he uh, portrays that Alcala. She's got three figures on a table. Um, A a woman that's like kind of sitting in like a lotus position, a a taller, kind of thinner man. And then a guy that kind of looks like me a little bit. Uh, He's uh, got not doesn't have much hair left and he's, you know, got a little weight to him. But uh, the cat, the cat's creeping around and she says, well, who are you going to pick for me this time, Selena girl? Hmm. Oh, you're curious about Jones, the banker, are you? I never did like bankers. She says, all right, Selena, if you want him, you shall have him. And the cat just meows and she takes the doll and throws it on the ground. And this part really like was like, whoa, holy crap. Uh, this just blew me away. What would you think of this part? This this was pretty cool, because unlike in the, the opening panel where she's going to stick the the doll she actually she gives the doll to um the cat who leaps off the table meows and hisses and just goes berserk on this doll scratching it across the face scratching it across the body i mean it is it is inflicting some pain on this doll and it's i mean it's apparent in in what one panel right yes great and she says as she tosses the doll down you are my pet let me see you use those claws of yours. Hmm. It's <laughs> like, oh God. <laughs> oh, don't make him suffer too much, Selena. Kill him swiftly. He, he, he. And the cat hisses. And there's that panel where he's like slashing the crap out of him. And, you know, the next day, the next morning, she's there. Oh, how are you feeling today, Sonny? Better than ever? Hmm. And he's reading the paper. And he goes, yeah, better than ever. Shouldn't be too long before I'm ready to travel. And then how about that, uh, you know, the, the page of the newspaper we get zoomed in on here? Yep, we're, he's reading the, the Waterville Gazette with the headline, Local Banker Slain. And then we get some text. Herbert Jones found dead, apparently attacked by wild animal. Victim horribly mutilated. Police baffled. <laughs> of course, we know better because we just saw what happened. So she's, this this woman is, has some kind of, um, like she said, magic wax. And she just gave this doll to the cat to kill. And now there's a... An old man, a bald guy, looks just like the doll, dead, horribly mutilated. No motive or anything. He's She just killed him with her magic and her cat. Yeah, that's one thing I'll say. There, there's never any motivation given for what she's doing here. So I, I think this this the gangster guy here, you know, the hitman, might be onto something here because he thinks, this place may be a good hideout, but I ain't going to be sorry to say goodbye to it. 
I ain't no expert on old ladies, but I've met enough of them to know this one's a certified wacko. And again, he's he's right on the money here. <laughs> yep. And then we get kill number two here. And this one is even I mean, yeah, it's a doll, but still, this one's even crazier than the first one, isn't it? Well, it is because we we as the reader know what these actions on these dolls mean, right? Mm-hmm. So she takes a meat cleaver and puts this doll on a wood block face up <laughs> and beheads it with this cleaver. And then, you know, she's talking to her cat. Oh, Selena, I don't think I'll ever be able to fi- figure you out. Whatever made you pick that fat rich lady? Hmm? And the cat just purrs. And in the background, we see wealthy, wealthy socialite. She's got a newspaper clipping on the wall. Wealthy socialite gives lavish ball. And the old woman's holding up this headless doll now. And the doll's, the doll's head's on the table. And, it, you know, there's no gore or anything. There's, it, there's no blood. But we know that there is a, a beheaded wooded woman somewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, again, and the following day. And we see the radio sitting there, and uh, our buddy here, Brock, is listening to the radio, and it says, Reported finding the headless body of Mrs. Carl Vanderhaven, or I'm sorry, Vandenhaven, wealthy socialite, and latest victim in the recent string of bizarre, apparently motive- motiveless murders. And I'm like, oh boy. And it says, although there appears to be no connection between the death of Mrs. Vandenhaven and that banker, Herbert Jones, and he turns it off and he goes, of all the weird and it's breakfast time, Sonny. So, you know, right when this is going in, I mean, even without the first page, anybody that's, you know, read a decent bit of horror comics, you know, can see where this is going, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is not, you know, this is not mystery science theater here. This is, we, no matter how well these stories are written, we still generally know the direction they're going to take or the twist. Um, so at some point, we, we've got to figure that, uh, Bronson here is going to figure out that this witch is doing those things he's hearing about. Mm -hmm. And they're at the the breakfast table here eating, and she says, I'll be going into town to do some shopping, but you won't be alone. No, indeed. I'm leaving Selena here to keep you company. Won't that be nice, hmm? And he goes, yeah, sure. Terrific. And she's walking away, and he's watching her as she's walking away uh, (laughs) through a window, and he goes, there she goes. Number one on my personal creep parade. <laughs> he, he goes, Burr, I could sure use a stiff drink. And I'm thinking to myself, I would just get the heck out of there. I don't even care if my shoulder was still hurting me. Like, if I was that creeped out, hey, oh, okay, she's gone. Well, she's going to be on for an hour. You could get pretty far away from her house, man. I don't think she's going to find you. Like, now's the time to get out. But he hangs out. And I love his uh, uh, thoughts in this next panel. Yeah, <clears throat> he he's... He's walking around the house. The old broad's even nuttier than the thought than I thought. Not a drop of booze in the whole joint. <laughs> now, honestly, I was expecting the twist to possibly be while she's gone, the cat is going to do something horrific to this guy. Mm-hmm. You know, she's gonna, he's going to trip him, and he's going to fall down the stairs and break his neck. He's going to fall in the cauldron, something. That's not what happens, but, I mean, it, that's the twist I was kind of expecting well our buddy brock here he goes maybe she keeps a nip of something down in the basement can't hurt to look and he goes down there and it's like it's like the horrors of the wax museum and he's looking around and he goes why on earth would she make a doll like this then cut its head off maybe it just fell off the table or 
and he's holding the body of the doll in one hand and the head in the other. And he goes, wait a minute, this doll, this clipping, it's the rich broad they found her. They found with her head cut off, the one I just heard about on the radio. And then he goes, and this doll looks like it's been through a meat grinder. The cat must have, holy Toledo, this doll's the spitting image of that banker, the one they said was ripped apart by some wild animal. You don't suppose that. And he's got this like really quizzical look on his face. And then he, he fires up another cigarette here to, uh, you know, uh, figure things out. And he says, nah, it's impossible. I've just been hanging around this odd house too. But what if it's true? I've got to find out. I've got to. And then later, and she's uh, home and she goes, Sonny, I'm home. He must be in his room. Anyway, it's time I visited my little friends in the basement. They get so lonely without me. She goes down the basement, and she's got another doll here. And she says, you certainly are a wicked one, Selena. I was going to save this one for last. He looks so distinguished. And it's like a, a guy in a suit with some glasses on. And she goes, but if you insist, we'll kill him now. Ah. And then there's uh, Brock. He was kind of like hiding down there. And there's a really cool panel. It's like a horizontal panel where, you know, it shows the whole basement here. We had the bubbling cauldron to the far right, the table, the doll, the cats even on the table. You know, uh, the, the the new figures are uh, under like a sheet there to the left. And he kind of scares her here that, you know, because he's down there. And she wasn't expecting him. And she's like, what are you doing down here? No one is allowed in my workshop. No one. And this is where he starts to question her about like, you know, hey, what's going on here? Yeah. And I, I love this line. Well, I'm here. Good looking. And I want some answers. <laughs> so he, now great. he now he's grabbed her by the shoulders. Those weird murders. They were you doing. You're doing. What aren't they? And she says, no, no, I'm just, it's just an innocent game, an old lady's game. Let me go. And, but her, her back is now to the cauldron, the, you know, that's filled with wax or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then we turn the page and she's, she's backing up even further. And <laughs> look, you old bat, there's some guys after me with guns. If they find me, they're going to kill me. I won't squeal on you, but you got to show me how you use the dolls to do them killings. <laughs> She's got a she's got a really scared look on her face because he has the ice pick in his right hand now. And she says, So you want to learn my secret, do you? Well, that's just too bad. It's my secret, a magic secret, and I'll never tell you. Never. And he goes, Never's a long time, you crazy, putrid old gawker. Yeah. <laughs> she she says, No, no, get away from me. Get away. Ah. And he he says, Shut up. And he, you know, it doesn't show it, but he stabs her, and then not only does he stab her and kill her with the ice pick, then what does he do? He pushes her right into the cauldron, the whole, <laughs> whole body, right into this, this boiling wax cauldron. The cat is kind of surprised and screeching in the, in the foreground of this last picture. But in the meantime, I, I'm getting out of here. This place is giving me the creepy crawlies from the minute I lay his eyes on it. Never mind that he just killed the woman by pouring pushing her into boiling wax after running her through with an ice pick. The place gives him the creepy crawlies. Yeah, he's creeped out by an old lady that's <laughs> making wax figures, but he guns people down and stabs yeah. people with ice picks. He's, he's, a, he's a good guy. <laughs> yep. And I, I love transitions. And so, and we see him going out to his car, still with the uh, spiderweb bullet holes in the back of it, and he goes, it's too soon to go back to the city. Angelo's boys will still be looking for me. I'd better head for the airport. Get out of the country. And within an hour at a nearby airport, he goes, maybe I'll go to Mexico for a while. I don't care where I go, long as it's far. Remembering that loony old lady still gives me the willies. And the caption box reads, loony old lady. 
it's a little silly to be preoccupied with her now, isn't it, Brock Marsden? After all, she's dead, isn't she? And we see the cauldron. And there's this, like, black and purple smoke coming out of it now. And again, it's looking like it's bubbling over like crazy. And Caption says, you killed her and threw her into the boiling wax, didn't you? And then he starts to sweat, and he's pulling like a Rodney Dangerfield here, and he's like pulling his collar away from his neck, and he thinks to himself, this is taking forever. Can't those ticket clerks move any faster? I feel like, pal, if you're around in 2023, <laughs> get ready, man. If you thought things were slow at the airport then, <laughs> and there were big lines, get ready, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you could tell he, you could tell he's he's in some discomfort, you know, because he up until now he'd been looking healthy. His hair's was fine, but now he's sweating again. His hair's starting to get must. Like you said, he's pulling at his collar and his tie. So you can tell something something's starting to happen. Yeah, and in this panel, you don't know yet if it's just him getting, you know, uh, you know, anxiety getting to him because he thinks, and why am I starting to feel sweat, feel uh, sick? Could it be my shoulder wound acting up again? Which, again, maybe he got some kind of an infection through there. So you're thinking, okay, all this is plausible. And uh, the next panel, there's a, a caption box that says, of course it's your shoulder wound, Brock Marsden. Why else would you perspire so freely after all? You're much too far away from the old lady's house to feel the heat from the, and somebody that's like a neighbor or something that says, fire, look, the whole place is in flames. And a, a girl or a woman says, let's call the fire department. An old lady lives in there. She may still be in there. And, well, you turn the page here and <laughs> in there, of course she's in there. But don't worry about the old lady. The fire won't do her any harm. She's dead, remember? And we see a couple of the figures that are underneath the, the, the sheet there. And then uh, our buddy's sweating even more now, isn't he? Yeah, so they're they're really building this up, right? Mm-hmm. She's dead, remember? And then the next panel, he's we see the profile of uh, Mark Bronston there, and he's sweating even more. His hair's all messed. If you must worry, worry about yourself, Brock. After all, you're still alive. And he said, "Give me a ticket one way to Acapulco and step on it." Why am I sweating like this? Why is it getting so hard to breathe? Why? So. You know, he's starting to panic a little bit. Um, this isn't just his shoulder bothering him. I mean, something is going on here. Mm-hmm. And there's a shot to back inside the house. And there's a shot of uh, a lookalike, a wax figure of him starting to burn. And it says, come now, Brock Marsden. Look at the bright side. Be happy you're not trapped in that awful fire. Be glad you escaped in time. There's nothing left of you in that house except the doll of you, your victim made. And, and he's like, what's happening to me? I feel like I'm burning. I can't breathe. Sweat dripping off me. And there's a, a woman and her child right behind him. And the child says, what's wrong with that man, mommy? And she says, why, I don't know, dear. And uh, what's that you say, Brock Marsden? You're burning up, you say? You can't breathe? And what do you say the sweat was doing? Dripping? And we see the inside of the house. And the doll is literally melting. And then we get the final panel here. Yeah, and this is just... It, it's just eerie. We see those people in the backgrounds. They're just in shadow now. Mommy, look, my Lord. And there's just a melted pile of flesh with, you know, all that's distinguishable to make the, to make us understand that this is uh, a human is there's some hair and some eyes that are now distended and it's all melting down into an orange smoky mess. It's, it's creepy. I mean, that's it's really creepy. 
Yeah, it might even be a little more creepy than the cover. Now, the cover was, you know, there was a lot more detail and a lot more of what was going on. But I almost feel like the guy melting on the cover. I don't want to say cartoony because that makes it sound not scary or, you know, maybe even some people would think that means, you know, more childish or something like that. But it just it that's that's the only word I can think of for it, where this this is, you know, really disturbing because all you basically see left of this guy is like his face kind of it almost looks like an alien, you know, huge eyes and his nose and his mouth or like a dog. And it's like melting all over the floor with these people, you know, 10, 15 feet away from. So I don't know. It's, I don't know which one's more disturbing. Well, the, this, to me, this one, the, it's the panel in, inside that's more disturbing because he, he's no longer, or he's barely distinguishable as humid, you know, and the, this, this mass of, melted flesh and human is it's gross but it's also there's so little detail that it's all left to our imagination about what this is you know whereas on the cover i mean yeah he's melting but it also looks like he could have a huge thing of cake frosting dropped on him you know what i mean (laughs) so there is that cartoony quality of the cover where this this other panel it's we're left to figure out what's happened here, knowing that he's melted and what these people are witnessing. And to me, it's it's it is a little bit more disturbing. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I do. I totally agree with you on that one. So. All right. Well, yeah, that's that's it for that one. And then there's there's, you know, two you know longer stories instead of three or four shorter stories in this one. And you know, the next one is called The Eavesdropper. And this one's a, an eight-pager, and it's by a, a name I do not recognize. It says Don, and the last name is K-R-A-A-R. I'm not even quite sure how to pronounce that. Krar, Krar, uh, don't know much about him. Um, and he wrote some comics in the 70s and 80s, it says on him. He was born in 1950, so he was a, a young guy at the time here. Uh, you know, So I'm not sure about him, but uh, the art team here, uh, Gil Kane pencils, Wayne Howard inks, which is interesting. I, I've seen Wayne Howard's work before, I think on some smaller publisher stuff, uh, not necessarily the big two even, but you know, Hey, Gil Kane, we all know him. And, uh, obviously, like I said, you know, I, I, most people would, you know, recognize, uh, some of the, uh, uh, people out there would recognize Wayne Howard as well. But, uh, yeah, this is, this is an interesting story here. The, uh, the eavesdropper, it's, uh, the, the host, again, uh, this uh, sexy woman says, big city living, so impersonal, so lonely. Strangers living right door- next door to each other for years, never speaking, yet overhearing everything about each other through flimsy walls. Lonely, loveless Frank Grogan listened through the walls every night, but either his ears are about to deceive him or he is about to enter a blood-chilling nightmare of terror. Read if you dare all about the eavesdropper and <laughs> this is a crazy story i i like it but it's crazy so yeah we have this guy here uh, frank grogan and he's sitting at what i don't know looks like uh, an apartment building he's just sitting in the lobby by himself doing nothing and he thinks to himself what a boring life how do some lugs meet such good-looking women while i sit in my apartment night after night alone and then all of a sudden he goes well well isn't that nice a new tenant. Hey, she's smiling at me. She's coming over. And there is a very attractive lady coming towards him. And she says, hi, would you be a love and help poor little me with my luggage? It's out by the curb. I can't seem to find the doorman. 
And he says, the doorman always appears, disappears when you need him. But never fear, Frank Rogan is here. Lead the way. And I'm thinking to myself, dude, that's why you can't get laid. Nobody talks like that <laughs> to a hot chick. I thought the exact same thing. Here's this, you know, good-looking, sad-sack white guy sitting in the lobby. He's got his turtleneck and sport coat on. There's happy-looking people all around him. And then when this pretty lady walks up to him, he's like, but never fear, Frank Gorgon is here. And the way the way he's drawn, he's got his hand up in the air like he's in a play or something, delivering a line. And that's the first thing I thought is, dude, it's because you act like that that you're still alone. Mm -hmm. This is why you're lonely, (laughs) dummy. It's like, oh, it's too funny. But he grabs a lot of her stuff and she says, no, that's not too heavy for you, is it? He goes, oh, no, light as a feather. And she says, my name is Pythia. I live on this floor. And he goes, oh, this isn't, isn't this a coincidence? You live on my floor. Wouldn't it be something if we turned out to be next-door neighbors? And she goes, hmm, wouldn't it? And he goes, this calls for a celebration, neighbor. You get invited in for a drink so we can get to know each other better. And he's thinking, then later, a little intimate dinner. And then, pow, no more lonely nights. <laughs> I was like, holy crap. I couldn't believe it. I was I was like, man, he's like one step away from being like, then I'll lay the pipe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, this, and then later, a little intimate dinner, and then pow, and pow is in bold with an exclamation point. And I'm like, my lord, this guy, the, the writing for this guy, he's going to be locked up, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, dude, <laughs> you just said how lonely you are. You can't get a woman. But you think all you're going to do is take her to your place and give her a drink and dinner, and you're going to, like, you know, give it to her? I'm like, dude, (laughs) there's a reason you've been alone for a long time. You're a dope. Oh, man, too funny. But all of a sudden, they go in the door, and she says, darling, sorry I'm so late. I don't know how I would have managed if Frank – oh, I'm sorry, Frank. This is my husband. And she's hugging on this guy. And Frank's in the background, and he's got all those, like, surprise, like, lines around his head to be like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's a great panel. And then he says, boy, am I a chump, carrying all that luggage for nothing. I'm thinking, oh, you just couldn't carry the luggage to be a nice person, huh? You had to get laid. Like, what? What is wrong with yeah, this guy? This, this is why. This, this, this is the guy who buys a, a girl dinner and expects, you know, marriage that night. This is, he's so over the top with his his chauvinism and whatever it is. But yeah, boy, I, boy, am I a chump carrying all that luggage for nothing. But then she comes, uh she comes running out after him. Frank, wait, don't be angry. I can explain. Like she has anything to justify to this clown, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then she gets real close to him and puts her hand on his like face and says, my husband isn't strong like you. He can't carry suitcases or do a lot of things. In fact, He's not expected to live. Goodbye for now. I hope I'll be seeing more of you soon. So she's like, you know, playing on to his, you know, you know, crazy mm-hmm. mind here that he's he's going to get some. And then <laughs> I love how, you know, that's how that scene ends. You flip the page, you know, there's a, a couple of ads. But then you go to the next page and it's like her simple words had set Frank's love starved heart to dreaming. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, thank God we can see both his hands in this panel. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is this is disturbing, but not on a horror level. He's in bed. I assume it's in bed, awake, 
and she he's thinking of her in a bikini kind mm-hmm. of you know leaning into him she said she wanted to see more of me oh pythia that lovely divine creature how could she marry that puny sickly guy but then he's the reason she wants to see me and it, <laughs> i mean it's like good lord buddy and you're right thank god thank goodness we can see both his hands in this picture yeah it's really creepy thank god then this is it it goes to like the next day and the next because i'm thinking we're two minutes away or two seconds away <laughs> yeah seeing this guy but uh yeah he calls her he when he's saying this he says she said she wanted to see more of me oh pythia that luscious divine creature i'm like geez again this is why you can't get a woman dude nobody talks like that yeah what is wrong with this idiot and he goes she's taking the garbage out i've got mine ready too oh wow i'm going to see her so it's like i'm not gonna get to talk to her hang out with her you know, not that I'm saying it to be like, you know, a good thing, but he's not like going to have sex with her. He's getting worked up over just going to be able to see her because he's going to take out his garbage. Right. So now we're getting to the <laughs> point where, where we know what the title means. He's listening in. He's becoming obsessed. He's planning, you know, when she's going to go out to get the groceries. And, you know, that way he can get on the elevator at the same time. So here mm-hmm. he is. He's going to take his trash out. He opens the door and it's the the sickly looking husband carrying the bag out. Um, <laughs> and he, again, he's like, he's got the surprised lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically this, the sickly husband, you know, kind of like C blocked him here. I'll tell yeah. <laughs> to keep it, to keep it clean. <laughs> and then, but Frank's lonely nights were the hardest to bear. And he's in his apartment. Pythia, my darling, when are you going to see me? And he's looking out through his blinds, like a creep sweating like a pig and then then one night he's in bed again and uh, I, I guess i can't say that he's naked but he definitely doesn't have anything on from the waist up and he goes oh i love her i need her <laughs> and again love and need are in black bold print and he hears no no don't hit me and he goes hey what's that that bomb is hitting pythia and you hear you know like the 66 batman show pow bam and he's thinking, you know, the guy's over there beating the crap out of the woman. And he goes, that's why she hasn't gotten in touch with me. He's found out about us, the jealous rat. What do you mean found out about us? Us what? Yeah, he, yeah right. He's he's building this obsession up in his head. And he, he's, you know, he, he's, he's becoming um, more and more of a creep. And now he hears what he assumes is the husband beating the wife. And he's not doing anything about it. It's really none of my business. But I can't barge in on them, can I? I can't, mm-hmm. I, I can't let him kill her. I'm going over there. So he, he finally works up the nerve, and all of a sudden, he doesn't hear anything. Mm-hmm. So then, <clears throat> then we transition down to the lobby where he's doing his, you know, stalking, waiting to see what's going to happen. He's just hanging out, and he sees Pythia come down in the, the, with her husband, and He's hunched over, and obviously he's not well, but nobody looks beaten, right? Nobody looks like they've been in a fight. Mm-hmm. So yeah. she she leaves the, the husband standing there. Oh, Frank, I must speak with you. Hey, cool it, baby. You don't want to start a fight right here because she th- he thinks <laughs> the husband's going to go off, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we, it, then, we, then we get the twist. Yeah, it, the caption box says, 
Pythia was at his side, urgently whispering in his ear. And she goes, save me, rescue me. And if you don't really look at that, and I kind of look at it two or three times and think about it, it, it just comes across as, you know, whatever. Maybe she's just scared. And then the husband, who's sickly, puts his hand out and has the surprise lines around his face and goes, look, mister, for your own good, stay out of this. And then later that night, crash, pow, and he goes, another fight. Oh, that louse. He's beating her because she spoke to me today. And he's in his mind imagining the guy pounding on her. And he sees the, the husband like punching her. And he goes, no, no. And he goes, well, this time I'm not going to sit by while she gets murdered. Pythia, I'm coming. Open up. Open this door. Save me. No, no. And I guess that's Pythia on the inside saying that. Or we think it is, but uh, it really isn't her. And we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But caption box reads, Within, with the strength that comes to the enamored, Frank heaved himself <laughs> again and again against the heavy locked door. Open up this door. Ulp, and he knocks the door down. And then we got a, a really cool, you know, a close up of a Gil Kane face here. If I've ever seen a Gil Kane face, and oh no, no! And you're you're wondering what is going to happen. But man, when you flip this page, you you really do get a, a surprise in. Yeah. So we've got the the sickly husband splayed out on the floor with a huge snake wrapped around him, maybe biting his neck. It's it's kind of hard to tell. Mm-hmm. You know, constrictors don't normally bite like that but you know the guy after he's on the floor a snake it's sucking his blood i've heard of vampire snakes but i thought it was only a legend vampire snakes come on (laughs) he's at number 65 he's alone right worried about (laughs) vampire snakes (laughs) yep this is why you're a loser dude and he goes that bum probably brought it up here to murder pythia and again she's going and her name's pythia but it killed him, too. Uh-oh, it spotted me. And it does hiss at him and, like, have a go at him here. But he moves out of the way and says, yipes, that was close. I'm getting out of here. And he runs out of there pretty quick. Then he goes, just a few more steps to safety. And he bar- he barricades his door with, like, every piece of furniture he has in there. And he goes, I made it. I'm alive. But my nerves are all shot. I'm going to bed and sleep if I can. And he goes, first I must call the police. I won't give my name. No use getting involved. And... Uh, Frank slept fitfully, tossing and turning all night, reliving again and again the ghastly scene he had witnessed, reliving his narrow escape from death. In the morning, the terror began again, and knock, knock, and he goes, who's that? And you hear, Frank, hurry, open up, it's me, Pythia. And he goes, Pythia, you're alive? And look at that insane face. Yeah, this 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 guy is way more than enamored. The Mm. obsession, his, his... Completely consumed him at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's and a it, psycho. And, yeah. So he, he opens the door. Um, no, the caption reads, no, the warm quivering form in his arms was, was real, very real. And he's holding her and she's crying, darling. Oh, Frank, it was wonderful. I hid in the bathroom. My husband's dead. Now there's no one to protect protect me but you. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, in Due time nuptials were performed. Like, what do you mean in due time? Like, what, a week? <laughs> <laughs> There's a priest. I now pronounce you man and wife. You may kiss the bride. And Frank's thinking to himself, I can't believe it. She's mine. My most daring dream come true. And there they are kissing in front of the priest. And he goes, 
You won't regret this, baby. I'm going to be a lot better for you than your skinny ex-husband. Mm. And she goes, oh, darling, you're everything I've always wanted. So you're thinking, oh, okay. And then he carries her over the threshold. Here we are alone at last with no one to disturb us. And I'm thinking, are they just in his apartment? It's like, dude, you didn't like, <laughs> take her anywhere? But uh, what do you think of these two panels here after that where he's uh, – he he's getting himself ready. His dialogue here is really off the chain. Yeah, he's he's in a a, a shower that we we can see into, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll I'll be right out, darling. I know you I know you can hardly wait. But then we have a lifetime ahead of us. So I mean, he still thinks he's God's gift at this point, right? Mm-hmm. And then okay. he says, "Oh, gee, baby, you're shy. Don't worry, Pythia. I understand. I'm a sensitive guy." sensitive not, not not like those rest of those clods out there you can hide under the sheets <laughs> yeah and then he goes over and he he disrobes too because as he's coming from the bathroom to the bedroom he has a robe on and then in the yep. next panel he ain't got nothing on he goes yep. <laughs> darling you're so cold hey what's wrong with you and why don't you run frank paralyzed with fear and this this panel is great and i'm sorry but this idiot gets what he deserves yeah definitely he you know there's no feeling that you can't feel too bad for him here the snake lunge comes up out of the covers in the background we see pythia's face as if we needed to be told that she's turned into the snake mm-hmm. you know this this loud hiss and then he screams yeah you with another close-up of his face your wildest dreams come true question mark and then (laughs) then we see a a panel that mirrors everything we've seen up until this point soon afterwards and we see him walking by her side he's hunched over just like her previous husband he's thin and gaunt looking she's very pretty and these two guys say hey did you see that that looked good looking broad but the skinny guy winked at me wonder what she wants why don't you go ask her? And then she, you know, she obviously found her next victim. <laughs> yeah, this is fantastic. I mean, the first story was like super creepy and moody and eerie, you know, a great horror story. But I, I think this is a great juxtaposition here, too. I mean, I would have been fine if the second story was like the first one, too, with the mood and stuff like that. That would have been fine, too. But I think, you know, I think the editor on this book, and I think it was as of this issue, or maybe recently I read in one of the, uh, the the notes in here, maybe one of the letters or something like that, they said about how uh, Denny O'Neill had just become editor recently of this book. And if that was his choice to do this, you know, I mean, if he had a bunch of options and he put these two stories together, I think it's brilliant. What about you? Yeah, there, there's a nice juxtaposition between the the straight-up horror in the first one to the comedic horror of the second story. I mean, it is... You know, it, it's very tongue in cheek. Her name's Pythia. She's just, uh, you know, a python that kills her mates. Blah blah blah. Um, but they they work well off each other, and they, you know, they it's it's like a, a comedic moment in a dramedy, and you know, it it brings you the other way around, so you can almost laugh by the time you're finished reading the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it, it yeah. is a nice combination of stories. Yeah, it was fantastic. I I really liked it quite a bit. So, you know, what did you think overall of these two? Yeah, overall, both thumbs up. 
Um, I like the first one much better in terms of um, the artwork and the, the mm. mood setting. Yeah. And it's you know it, it's a little bit longer, so it's it's better paced, um, and it tells a you know a, a story that's not I don't know it's it's not your everyday horror story. There's no reason the witch is killing those people. You know the cat's involved. She ends up get, something bad happens to her, but the guy who killed her something bad happens to him. Um, so it in theory it's all wrapped up by the end of it. Uh, you get the moment right from the cover where people are witnessing this guy melt. All those things to me are on top of the fantastic art and, and dialogue um, make that a top notch story. And then the second one, that's just good fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And I, it, the book has, you know, uh, some really good ads in it. One of my absolute favorites, it's definitely a top 10. Uh, and I'm not talking about house ads. I'm just talking about, you know, ads for other things uh, CIE, the Cleveland Institute of Electronics Incorporated. And there's a, a five panel uh, photograph, you know, uh, illustration here for us. And the boss is saying, get in here, Bill. I want to talk with you. And he says, you punched in seven minutes late. I'm docking you an hour's pay. And it better not happen again or else. And Bill leans over his desk, the boss's desk and says, oh, yeah, I've got news for you, Mr. Bemis. I've got a new job offer with a real future at twice the money. And the boss says, ha, anybody be crazy to pay you that much. And he goes, that's what you think. I've been learning electronics in my spare time at home from CIE. And now I can take my pick of good jobs. And the boss, you got to be kidding. You in electronics? And he goes, yes. Now I've got a career. CIE made it easy. So goodbye to you and your crummy job. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, that's a great ad. And I love It, 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 I find it fascinating in these old books, these continuing education ads, find a new career ads. Mm-hmm. These are ads obviously ga- aimed at older teens, young adults, mm-hmm. and these are comics, kids books, you know, yeah. but obviously not. I mean, there were, th- by this time, the Marvel age was in full swing and lots of older people were reading comics. So it, it, it kind of makes sense, and but they're aiming at a a clientele that we would think of as, you know, schlubs, and 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 you know, this isn't uh, a, a professional an ad aimed at a professional commuting to work and reading this comic. So it, it, they, these ads fascinate me. Yeah, and there's a good house ad too. It's uh, after page six of the the Python woman story here. It's it's like a, a three in three sections. The top section is they took away his home. He's fighting a universe to get it back. Iron Wolf featured in Weird Worlds, much more than a comic book. And that's a really cool <laughs> illustration and ad there. I like that one. And the second one shows Shazam with a little kid on his lap reading a Shazam comic to him. And then the bottom is uh, again another DC horror comic that you don't think too much of. Now, if I'm not mistaken. It, these were reprints of like Simon and Kirby when they had their own shop and did some horror, uh, black magic. I have a couple of them, maybe three or four of them. And they're, they're pretty cool too. And there's a, a cool ad for that. Yeah. The, I didn't realize that when I picked up the couple issues of black magic that I have, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, though, I believe that whole series is all reprints. The mm-hmm. house ad I got a kick out of was the subscription one 
where on the bottom they're advertising champion sports number one. Oh yeah. It, there's there's just much more there's much more than just the score. Watch for it. That series only ran three issues. <laughs> so I mean we're yeah, it got hyped here, but yeah, it, it only lasted three issues. I don't know much about it, but I thought it was cool to see that in the ad. Yeah, I wish there was some way for me to cut out this uh, subscription ad and legally make DC give me these comics at those <laughs> prices. Uh, it says, please start my subscription for 15 consecutive issues of each comic checked in the next columns. I enclose X amount of dollars, check or money order, at the rate of $3 per title. And again, that's $3 per title. Uh, but that's for 15 issues. Uh, mm-hmm. And then, and, and again, it's got every superhero book they had at the time, romance, war, adventure, science fiction. Like, literally, I would check off every box under mystery, science fiction, probably adventure, definitely war, and, you know, maybe a couple of superhero books and, heck, even throw in a romance. <laughs> yeah, I. It, it's really impressive the number of titles that there are. I mean, there's 81... 81, well, but it's not 80 things, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the numbers go up to 81. But, I mean, there's two science fiction books, five adventure books. So this is just before um, the books like uh, Tor and Hercules and those things are going to mm-hmm. um, start coming out. Otherwise, the adventure list would be a lot bigger, right? Yeah. But there's still, there's still five war titles, five romance titles, a, a ton of the mystery slash horror books. Mm-hmm. And all great titles. I mean, we we love Ghosts, House of Mystery, House of Secrets, obviously Phantom Stranger, The Unexpected, Witching Hour, The Demon from the, the Jack Kirby series, mm-hmm. Swamp Thing, this title, Tales of For- Forbidden Tales of Dark Mansion, Sinister House, Weird Mystery Tales, The Shadow Book was still going. And then Weird Western Tales is kind of funny to be listed here. Mm-hmm. Because I don't ever find I find those to be gen, generally straight up Western stories. I haven't read too many of the older ones, mm-hmm. but I don't know yeah. how much is weird about them, you know? Yeah. Other than Jonah Hex being like a melted face Western guy. I, yeah. I think I have one or two issues of that. And it was just like more of like an action Western thing. It was almost like if you would just take the rifleman and like melt his face. That's, that's basically what it is. <laughs> yeah. So, but, I mean, how much fun would it be to just to subscribe to those titles, you know, for three bucks, three bucks mm, a whack? My gosh. That, yeah. Can you imagine getting 15 issues for three dollars? Like, I, it just, <laughs> just blows my mind. Yep. Oh, my gosh. But yeah. So. All right, man. Well, that's that's going to about wrap us up here. But yeah, really strong issue here. I really uh, glad you uh, picked this one. You know, uh, we, uh, you know, through uh some uh, uh, bouncing things around. Uh, realize there's a, another issue in this series. I think we both have the physical copy of, and that one has more of a, a holiday theme to it. So I thought, well, maybe we could talk about that around the holidays. Yeah, I think that would be an excellent idea because the first story in that one is something I would love to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to me, uh, horror, It's I, I do put out extra content and even go a little uh, crazier about it in September, October, but... Uh, to me, horrors for all year round, even Christmas. <laughs> yep. So, yep. all right, man. Well, that's going to wrap us up here. So, uh, thanks for joining me once again. But uh, anybody wants to find you out there, where can they look for you? Well, the still the best places to find me. My blog is still there, comics, comics, comics dot blog. But you can find me on Twitter and Instagram um, 
at Big Ox 737. I am trying some of the other socials, but I I can't get much traction there. And frankly, I find it hard to manage five or six one type, you know, mm-hmm. social media accounts, let alone just the two or three. So, yeah. but yeah, I'm out there. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. I feel you on that one. I I, I like <laughs> I, I started an account on Blue Sky and there's a, quite a number of, uh, you know, mutual friends of ours over there that are really trying to give it a try. It's just it's so tough when you have such a, you know, a, a following of even a few hundred followers or a few thousand followers, you know, and, and, and maybe obviously not interact with that many people on a daily, weekly or even monthly basis, but just. You know, the fact that you, you'll you get some interaction from people over there that aren't over on Blue Sky yet. And it's just it's like, you know, a, a mountain and a molehill at this point. So it's 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 going to be really tough for that app to take off. But, you know, it, it's the interface is very much like Twitter when it originally started. So I do like that about it. So hopefully it'll, you know, gain a following, and get a little bit better and, you know, get gifts and DMs, too. That's it's missing that, which is sorely lacking. Those are the two like major things that. It doesn't have, but I'm still on Twitter too. And I'm always going to call it Twitter, by the way. It's just the way it is. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where, you know, you and I and a bunch of us kind of still connect on there a lot. And until it goes, you know, haywire, I'll stay on there too. And uh, yeah, but yeah, definitely everybody get out there and, you know, give uh, Jeremiah a follow, you know, like you said, whether it's, you know, Instagram or Twitter or whatever, and uh, definitely look up uh, your blog and I'll have all this in the show notes as well. But okay. Uh, thanks again, uh, man, for uh, doing this with me. I really appreciate it. And uh, I'm going to bounce out of here right now and then uh, be back in a minute to wrap things up. Well, thanks for having me. All right, our bags are packed and we got the snacks. It's time for the Longbox Crusade road trip to the Longbox Mobile crew. Check on. Dang it. Everyone buckled up. Here we go. Well, now that the garage is empty, Gene will have more space to record episodes of LBC Irregulars, the indexing of the Jeremy Brett Sherlock Holmes TV series. Oh no! Did anyone remember to leave Clinton some food down in the basement? He's gonna need it as he makes more episodes of Fan Film Fridays, his ongoing look at online fan films. Why are you speaking in such a scripted manner, Dark Web? Anyway, you can relax. I asked Rick, or was it Jeff? Who can remember? I asked the attic guy to come down from time to time to check in on Clinton. You know, take some breaks from recording Monday Movie Muck about his movie review show. Weasel Skull, did you give Rick the key to the basement? Key. Sounds like LBC headquarters is in good hands, Death Probe. Right you are, Christados. Oh, Pat, can we stop off at KB Toy Store? I want to pick up some Transformers and G.I. Joes. They remind me of Transformers Chronicles and G.I. Joe Chronicles. Our show's going through the Marvel run of Transformers comics and the Devil's Due run of Joe comics. Well, while you guys are doing that, we can also stop by a Blockbuster video and get some tapes to watch for action film face-off. That's the show where we discuss two action films and have them duke it out to see which one is the episode champion. Is that VHS or Beta? Eh, either one's fine. We've got a lot of stops to make, but if we can, let's squeeze in the Walden books and score some comics for us to talk about on Crusader Chronicles, the show where we move chronologically through the Amazing Spider-Man comics and include a bonus issue from the same release date as the Spidey recovery. I will definitely keep an eye out for our Walden books. It'll come in handy for the pure Longbox Crusade episodes, our time capsule show where we take a deep dive into a randomly selected comic and talk about news, music, and movies and ads that were popular when the books were released. I'll also be on the lookout for our electronic boutique, EB, if you guys don't know the lingo back then. 
so we can get some more comic-related video games for us to discuss on Comics to Council Crusade. Good thinking. If time permits, let's hit Circuit City. I need more positrons for our Pop Culture Positcast show, the one where we find all the good stuff in pop culture that others seem to poo-poo. Positrons? Shut up and go with it. These old-timey, out-of-business store jokes doing anything for you folks? Well, if you like old-timey stuff, we also offer Saturday Matinee Theater, our look back at old TV shows, serials, and films that have kind of been forgotten. I think that about covers it. We definitely want to be your road trip crew, folks. Whether it's your commute to work or a road trip of your own, why not pass the time with us, your friends at the Long Box Crusade? Once again, that's Long Box Crusade, available on all your finer podcatchers. Good job, team. I'm getting hungry. Pat, stop at the next Kenny Rogers Roasters that you see. Or Pentagon's. Burger Chef! All right, everybody, that wraps up this episode. Once again, I want to thank Jeremiah for being on. Love having him on the show. We're definitely going to talk more DC anthology horror. And don't worry, we are definitely going to be jumping back into The Phantom Stranger probably right after Halloween. So uh, get ready for that and definitely look him up on his blog and on the socials too. Definitely a good follow there. And uh, definitely look forward to more awesome Halloween content this year because, uh, you know, I'm right in the thick of it right now and there's still going to be a ton more. So get ready for it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you.